Hello, welcome to Airmic Talks ESG, your monthly podcast from the UK's risk and insurance community, and this year all focused on trends in environmental, social, and governance topics within our profession. In our first two episodes, we have been joined by AXA XL Sean McGovern discussing the broader picture for the London market regarding ESG, and then we had Aon's Kieran Healy discussing the unique role captive insurance companies could be playing in supporting their parents' own ESG betterment initiatives. So if you haven't heard those episodes, please do go back and catch up. In our third outing, you are going to be hearing from Simon Edwards, Technical Parametric Underwriter at Generali Global Corporate and Commercial, with him focusing on how ESG principles can begin to be integrated into a corporate strategy, the role for the commercial market, and where he is seeing parametric policies specifically have an impact. So, Simon, a good place to start, I think, would be for you to tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and your current role at Generali. My current role is uh, Generali uh, Global Corporate and Commercial, and I look after the parametric portfolio. I've actually got an academic background. Before working in um, insurance, I worked in academia 10 years after a postdoc, all, di- all in geospatial um, plate tectonics and anything with the earth deforming. And I very much moved from kind of a very specialist to more of a generalist. So now um, after working in academia and then working for a, a quasi-academic commercial institute in New Zealand, I then moved to Willis where I was involved in the Willis Research Network and then I've become more and more commercial and more and more, more and more of a generalist over time. From moving from um, academia across to cat modelling to underwriting with parametric insurance. So I think it gives me a, a really kind of a slightly different view into the underwriting world um, than maybe if you'd kind of come straight from um, college or university into insurance. Yeah, thanks for that. Really interesting. And I think, I think you're right. And of course, the, the the parametric topic itself obviously has huge relevance to the, some of the discussion we're going to have and some of the products, you know, insurers are hoping to provide or are providing regarding catastrophe coverage. We see a lot of that, um, a lot of use of parametrics there already. Let's talk about ESG then. And, and we're going to be, I guess, this whole series, Simon, we're talking about ESG both from the side of the client who's buying insurance and looking to, you know, transition or, or whatever, but also from the side of the commercial market itself and, and how they're responding to um, ESG objectives or ESG targets. From your perspective then, what does good look like from an ESG standpoint uh, and what are some of the biggest challenges in terms of getting there? The ESG kind of needs to be fully integrated into the business and can't be kind of this standalone element that you do occasionally in in an ESG session. You have to look everything through this ESG uh, lens almost. So whether that's um, from a diversity angle, you should look at everything through that, and and also from this, you know, from an environmental, from a climate angle, every single thing we do needs to be so it has to be fully integrated, and and I mean there's several reasons for this. I think um, uh, there seems to be large evidence that customers and clients there's more trust given to these firms that have ESG principles high up their list. 
as a, a commercial insurer, some of our customers um, that are be increasingly using ESG filters to you know pick their commercial partners. Yeah, and from you know internally, we see um, on on a recruitment and talent from increasingly, I suppose, for millennials, but even more so the, the generation below, the Gen Zs, are increasingly attracted to companies that have a genuine ESG strategy. On the parametric side, we work closely with an insure tech, a, a um, risk advisor called Descartes Underwriting, who's based in France. You know, they are a fantastic recruiter. And I know a lot of it is largely um, this huge ESG climate risk element, this corporate responsibility side it's a huge um, attraction for talent and then i guess you know on the investment side it's increasingly important on that just with a little bit of caution i suppose around needing to be genuine and needing you know the, the whole concern around greenwashing or esg washing whatever you want to call it so i guess that's what that's what it looks good um but moving on to the other bit of your question challenges for us i kind of think we could almost put this into three sections. The climate change is I know, the obvious one and the one that is closest to the work that I do. In the, the global warming, you know, due to these emissions of greenhouse gases coming from man-made activities, is likely intensifying extreme natural events, such as the floods, uh, temperature change, droughts, wildfire, water resources, what have you. And even when there's uncertainty in exactly what the link is between, you know, an event and climate change. The fact that the uncertainty is going up means the, the risk is going up. And so any policies that we have that are going to help limit global warming to certain targets, 1.5 degrees or whatever, are going to have to have some you know, big changes within us and our clients. And these changes are going to happen and we, we need to make the right strategies and um, ensure that We've got the right products available for our clients for this. Other than climate change, um, of concern to us is, and, and more outside my area, is the ageing workforce. So this increasing life expectation and an ageing population has kind of you know, large impacts on kind of social protection and the job market consumption, all sorts of issues, extra issues such as intergenerational relations and welfare costs. So lots in that area too. And then somewhat linked to climate change in some ways um, are extreme events, whether they be earthquakes, tsunamis, but then also outside of climate change, pandemics, um, man-made um, incidents. So we need to kind of really, really have a robust um, insurance uh, marketplace and product to increase the resilience of the, this kind of pandemic and extreme events section. Yeah, interesting. You touch upon the human side or the you know, the kind of the benefit side of things. Obviously, you've got colleagues uh, generally on the employee benefits business. I know them quite well, and that's obviously an area that we're seeing more and more corporates use their employee benefits programs to address some of those challenges directly, or increase their attractiveness and address some of the S of the. ESG. And you also touched upon targets briefly there, Simon. In terms of KPIs, let's maybe look at climate specifically, because that is more your area. What are, what are the next targets for for companies regarding kind of climate objectives or, or whether that be transition? Well, I think the NRLE group has aligned itself with the Paris Agreement. And so we've got ambitions to be carbon neutral and to be complete carbon neutrality by 2050 in line with the Paris Agreement. And then by just two years' time in 2024, with the reduction of the carbon footprint of at least our, at least our corporate portfolio, it would be 
30% and 30% in the real estate portfolio and limiting, and this is all in line with kind of that limiting aim of limiting global warming to that 1.5 degree line. And for some time, we've kind of excluded new investment and, and new underwriting in, in the coal sector, the tar sand sector, upstream oil exploration. So more generally, we've got um, an ambition to be climate negative by 2040 and with an intermediate target of reducing our greenhouse gas emissions from 2023 onwards. And then by um, 2025, we'll have had much lower gas emissions related to our offices and business travel. Uh, my business travel is, is not airlines at all. Generally, it's, um, it's trains and Eurostar. And I think this is not yeah, this is market-wide, this is happening, which is a, a good thing. Other KPIs um, is all about strengthening public awareness and dialogues between you know, the, some of our largest clients that we have. I know the group, the aim is by 2025 to, to really engage with the, the, kind of the top carbon-intensive companies that are both in our investment portfolio and in our um, underwriting portfolio to try and drive a kind of real-world impact. And then I guess there's, yeah, just being transparent about our policies and, and how uh, the reporting and um, how our, our results are, are viewed. So COP27 is all about global adaptation and ad- adaptation, obviously, for everyone, whether it's me or a big corporate or insurer or whoever else is going to have to begin at home. What's your view on, on I guess, adaptation? And I guess part of that as well is, is transition, which we've touched upon. Yeah, I mean, I think I'll answer that one from very close to home to me, which would be parametric insurance. And I think it will play a big role in kind of recovering from natural disasters and aiding in the, the recovery of these impacts. So uh, particularly from um, you know, severe weather events, and which will become more frequent with climate change and increasing in global warming, that it, parametric insurance is you know really completely inherently to tied to kind of disaster resilience so that adaptation we've we've really seen with a number of our of our clients i guess an example might be with we insure a a transport company who are concerned about river levels and when they can't take their stock along the river because the river level is you know just too low because of the drought conditions and then their adaptation they have to do is you know they need to get their stock to another you know another way so railways or, or what have you and and that kind of insurance policy is is not you know easily available on a traditional market just because there is no you know you don't have a physical loss there but you've got a climate related incident and then i suppose similarly you've got agricultural cover and um, from you know increasing uncertainty into whether there's going to be frosts or high temperature so we've got frost covers for a tomato producer in italy this was a a client that we had that had a you know a a frost claim and was able to uh, it was fairly early on in the season for for those guys so they had they had the frost and then they were able to have a parametric payout which enabled them to quickly reseed their crop and have a you know slightly later crop uh, in in the year and then that's very you know on, on a small scale and, and then i suppose what one thing is parametric insurance is it's reasonably famous for it's the larger um government resilience products um where this rapid payout really is kind of the key i mean it's the key selling point for any parametric product but the rapid payout 
for these large intergovernmental, for instance, CRIF, uh, the Caribbean facility, and then there's the PCRIC, which is a similar one yep. in the Pacific Islands. That that rapid payout is just, uh, you know, it's a fantastic kind of mechanism for getting money to be where it's needed you know, exceptionally quickly. Yeah, the parametric products are, are really exciting. And, and you mentioned a couple of great uh, applications of them there. I think the tomato grower one, although, as you say, it's a, it's kind of a small scale example. It's also, I think, really fascinating and, and shows how applicable that they are. They're not just for those huge last uh, catastrophe structures, which are kind of government backed or NGO backed. They can be used in, on a much smaller basis, just to, you know, small or medium sized um, entities or, or corporates. So I think that's a really nice example. On that topic, uh, it really is. Wherever there's a kind of concern that there is no way of you know, adapting to a climate risk that uh, a risk manager feels that they have, that there is often a parametric policy that can fit it. I mean, it could be pollution. We've, we've got pollution risks. We've got seaweed on you know, that's washing up a beach. Is it some other pollutant that's washing up on a beach? So there are so many kind of parametric possibilities that really fit in with this kind of environmental, social governance side. Am I right in thinking as well, Simon, that on the parametric side of things, insurers tend to be a bit more open to tailoring a product? And, and you know, if, if a client comes to you with, a, with an idea for a trigger which hadn't been considered before, you would be open to discussing it in a way that maybe with traditional policies, actually a little bit harder to come up with new wordings uh, to, to define. That happens all the time. I think um, the one that I just mentioned, the the seaweed, was a classic example of this. The risk is um, it's a seaweed called sargassum, which is this really thick, heavy, smelly seaweed, which occasionally washes up on uh, beaches. When it does wash up, it's not you know a little bit at the edge; it just covers the beach. And so mm. it's all about you know, that the cost is to you know clear it up, um, but it's not really you know a physical damage to a property. Um, but it would it could be sort of a, a livelihood ruiner. So for us, it's all about, okay, how does this happen? Can we get some data to, to quantify how it happens? Are we confident in this data? Can we you know, price a risk based on it, you know, more than just a stab in the dark? And then often, and, and this is another reason why parametric insurance is exploding at the moment, is that availability to good quality data, be it from an ESA satellite, NASA satellite, innumerable number of um, sort of private companies that are starting to put in their own sort of low earth orbiting satellite. So yeah, absolutely. If we get a risk, we will have a good look at, we'll work with the client to, to work out where their, their issues are, exactly what data is available, match up the data with their kind of concerns and loss history. And often yeah, we can tailor a product. I mean, I'm not saying we do it every single time, but a lot of the time we can come up with a, a very interesting product. Yeah, no, definitely an area to keep watching. Uh, it's an area that I'm particularly interested in with my captive background to see if we see more captive insurers, you know, participate in innovative parametric uh, products. Uh, this last question, Simon, is one of those questions we could have saved for the end, which we are doing, or we could have put right at the beginning. It's quite a broad one. But in terms of your final thoughts on what does ESG mean for insurance or ESG mean in the context of insurance? Yeah, I think, um, again, looping back to the answer at the beginning, it has to be integrated and fully in you know, the minds of everyone that's in the company and looking through that kind of ESG lens, whether it's underwriting your claims 
uh, every single thing we do. And I guess as an insurer, we need to tackle those you know, big trends of our time. So it's protecting the people, the companies that we work with, health, the planet, and yeah, the future generations. So for generally, this ESG is absolutely linked to that idea of creating that long-lasting kind of lifetime partner to our clients and also employees internally and then sort of uh, the people that we work with we have to reflect the the views and the the people in the in the areas and the uh, society that we work in at large we need to have the right coverages and solutions that our clients are happy with and are absolutely focused on any of these trends that might be happening. And and this is the case where particularly for our parametric insurance, but also for um, not just the parametric insurance, but also working closely with our loss prevention teams to make sure it's not just the mitigation measures, but also that adaptation, which is helping, you know, prevent the loss in the first place and then so we've got climate extremes but of course there's in in falling into this is the cyber insurance and construction coverages as well as the the whole green energy sector which is booming worldwide and within generali so it's always there to kind of kind of further prevent and then mitigate these risk exposures Mm -hmm.